Hey everyone, welcome. Welcome, webheads, to uh, issue 13. You're not gonna say it. What the fuck? Somebody should. That's the theme from our other show that just started playing. Helpful Snowman Radio. Um, anyway, here we are. We're going to talk about issue number 13, which is the first appearance of Mysterio. Mysterio, you probably know, is the uh, guy who looks like he's wearing a fishbowl on his head and then a green costume and purple cape. Um, I have the Marvel Encyclopedia here, so let's just look at Mysterio real quick. Um, Quentin Beck was a well. You know what? This is gonna, we're all we're gonna get to this part. Let's do this thing. Um, but his real name is Quentin Beck. Occupation: criminal. <laughs> okay. Um, I feel like you know this Marvel Encyclopedia. Maybe it's like, hey, when it says occupation, maybe tell us like what he's doing when he's not doing crime. That's kind of more interest. That's kind of what we're looking for. He is five foot eleven, one seventy five, blue hair, black eyes. Wait, blue eyes, black hair. Sorry, it's like blue hair, black eyes. That's fucking weird. Uh, occupation, looking weird. I think it's funny that they some of these say height and weight. You know, like okay, so he's five eleven, one seventy five, but he's so shredded looking that I'm like, there's no fucking way. Um. He would have to weigh, like, at least 200 if he looked like that. You got Mystique here, who's 5'10", 120. Friday. Um, No, not really. It's it's just weird. It's a weird... Here's when I want to see the weight. Like, what does Namor weigh? He's 278. I'm like, all right, I'm curious about that. But am I really that curious about how much um, North Star weighs? No. Or Nomad. I mean, okay, I want to know how much Omega Red weighs when it's like he's 425 pounds and you're like, Jesus fucking Christ. But when it's Nova, you know, and he's like 5'9", 145, and you're like, eh. I mean, he's like a teenager. Or, you know, when you have Onslaught and he's 10 feet tall, 900 pounds, I'm like, yes, his weight is significant. When Paladin is 6'2", 225, you're kind of like, eh. Or like Karen Page. Not a super-powered person. You know, a girlfriend character. Do I really need to know she's 5'7", 125? Also, wait a second. She's 5'7", 125. And Mystique is... Hold on. Hold on. 5'10", 120. So Mystique, Mystique is weighs less than Karen Page, and she's like three inches taller, and she's also like super fighting all the time and wearing like no clothes. That doesn't. This does not make sense. I don't get it. Anyway, now that we've discussed the height and weight of a bunch of fictional characters, I mean, can't you just be like, if it's average-ish, wouldn't you just say, here's what I think Marvel should do in these encyclopedias, is just be like, body type, average-ish, muscular, lean. You know what I mean? Like, that would probably, that would probably satisfy my curiosity. And, you know, like, Mysterio is a great example of a character who it's like, oh, who gives a fuck how much he weighs? 
He's average. Average muscular. Comic book average, which is like shredded. Um, it opens up with a splash page, which appears to be Spider-Man robbing a bank, which is hilarious because it's these two, I guess, bankers webbed up, and they look like they're saying like, "Um, don't run away with all our money. How about could is that a possibility at this juncture?" And it's like, well, he's got you webbed up, and he's sprinting away with a green bag that has a dollar sign on it, which uh, to me says like, eh, "We may have gone past the." Uh, past the point here now i do want to say just as a quick a quick nod because i mean this is the amazing spider webcast and this is issue 13 so stan lee is still writing and steve ditko is the artist um you know we just we found out about stan lee's passing a couple weeks ago and it's very sad real sad about that it's really unfortunate and the dude did a lot of good shit i did see I don't want to taint the legacy of the man here by talking about this, but I do want to provide some talk back to something I see, which is like, okay, Stan Lee passes, and a lot of people are like debating his legacy versus Jack Kirby's legacy. And I'm like, A, this is not the time. This is not the time to talk about how Stan Lee was like, did he really do anything or did he not do anything? Because first of all, look into it, fuckers, because he did a lot of shit. Even if you want to give him the minimum amount of credit that he's owed, that's still a fuck ton. Uh, B, I mean, I kind of think Stan and Jack are kind of like Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak. Steve Wozniak is often, you know, heralded as like, he's the underappreciated genius and Steve Jobs gets all the credit. And you're like, I don't think that's necessarily accurate. But B, it's like, look, Steve Wozniak could make shit but Steve Jobs was the idea man, right? And without Steve Jobs, I don't think Steve Wozniak really exists. Like, he's not hes not Steve Wozniak without Steve Jobs. He's not half of Apple or half of the origin of Apple. And I think people hate to think this way, but you're like, look, man, like, Steve Wozniak might be really good at making shit and he might be a great computer engineer or whatever, but he couldn't sell for shit. And if he can't sell for shit, if he's a nerd who's good at that stuff, he needs a guy who's good at selling the shit. Jack Kirby is a great artist and I think did his more than his share of writing and I think deserves credit. However, I don't think that this is credit that's in like a limited quantity such that we're like, we really need to delineate what Stan did and what Jack did because I think that's a false equivalency. And really, I think that's illustrated <laughs> by the fact that, like, um, you know, Jack Kirby wasn't involved in Spider-Man. He did a, an initial cover and did some art that Stan, I don't know if it was Stan for sure, but some, you know, Marvel was like, I don't know if Jack Kirby's right for this. So they switched over to Steve Ditko. And so you're like, well, okay, Spider-Man was a very successful character, possibly the most successful Marvel character to come out of that era. I mean, we're talking about some huge characters, right? But it's like, okay, well, so Jack Kirby does the Fantastic Four and is responsible for the iconic look of it and probably did more of the writing than he gets credit for. However, how do we then explain that, like, Spider-Man was also huge and uh, Jack Kirby had no involvement in that? Okay. But here's my point. 
Stan Lee's death is not the time to talk about the problematic legacy of Stan and Jack. Also, look into it, fuckers. Um, here's my understanding of it. Stan Lee and Jack Kirby um, were not enemies to the grave. And also, at some point, I think Stan and Jack were not opposed to each other. It was that, you know, Jack Kirby, and especially his family, after he passed, wanted wanted more recognition and cash. And probably deserved it. But it wasn't that they were trying to get it from Stan Lee. It was like, we should be getting this from Marvel. If you look into comic book history, many a creator has been fucked hard out of money. Because the way this used to work was like, you know, you invent Batman or something. Right? But you're working for DC Comics. And so you make Batman in Detective Comics. And then he comes and becomes this huge hit. But the way you're working for this is like, hey, P.S., Anything that you make while you're here belongs to us, not you. So, like, as we use these characters in perpetuity, they don't belong to you. And this is something that's in a lot of industries. We talk about it in the comic book industry, but, like, this is rampant in the tech industry, for example. I design a microchip while working for Hewlett-Packard. I don't own that microchip. They do. Right? They own that work. So there you go. You know, and this is a lot of creative industries, but a lot of other industries as well. So anyway, I guess I just wanted to, I didn't really, I didn't know how to do this because I didn't want to spend my time honoring Stan Lee talking about that. But I also wanted to provide pushback to the preponderance of those things that I've seen to tell people like, you need to look into the story because the story goes also, The story of Jack Kirby is not an unusual one, which is unfortunate, but it's not on Stanley. Also, according to Stan's take on things, which Jack Kirby has not disputed, Stan many times offered to bring on Jack Kirby as a full-time regular employee, like at Marvel, and Jack Kirby turned him down because he preferred to be a freelancer. And it's like, well, what is he supposed to do? He's supposed to force... Jack Kirby to take a job or not so that he can get, you know, paid longer and so on. No, like that's not how that works. So anyway, I just think I want, I want to take a little time to clear Stanley's name because I think that he gets a lot of shit. And this is the thing. I think that like half-assed comic book nerds get real involved in that argument where they're and it's like, here's the cool position to take. Stan Lee was a fraud and a hack, and Jack Kirby was the real deal. And it's like, I can't, I can't get by with that. I can't let that just slide. Because I'm like, the thing is, you don't have to denigrate the name of Stan Lee to prove, A, that you know things about comics, but B, that Jack Kirby was very talented and probably had more effect on the Marvel Universe we know today than um, he gets credit for. It's not like there's a a pie chart here and it's like how much credit is available to give for the existence of the Marvel Universe and how much should Stan get and how much should Jack get? It's like we can give Jack more credit without taking something away from Stan. You know, this is an emotion. This is like a whatever. Now, as far as the financial goes, I suppose that's a limited quantity, but you got to know that like Stan Lee severed his ties with Marvel. I mean, he wasn't, 
working with Marvel, like, I don't know, in the late 90s or something? I mean, it's been a long fucking time since Stan Lee has been, you know, the head of Marvel. And uh, he shows up in the movies and stuff, and it's like, shouldn't Jack Kirby be in the movies? He was dead. Okay. Um, I think he was, I, I don't know how long he's been dead. I should look that up, right? This is like a sort of an information podcast. Um, Jack Kirby. But also, Jack Kirby's estate, like, sued Marvel Productions for use. Yeah, he died in 1994. So, like, what's he going to show up in? The Roger Corman Fantastic Four? Um, anyway. And th- that's, I think, part of the thing, too, is that I think in 1994... Comics did not have the mainstream popularity that they do in 2018. Like, we're looking at 1994 with 2018 eyes, and it's like, oh, this should happen. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, comics were not... Comic book movies in 1994 were horrible, right? I mean, you had the Batman movie, but it's like, let's see... Did we have any movies come out in 1994? Uh, the Crow, The Mask, The Shadow. That was when... Oh, turns out that's when the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie came out. You can find that on YouTube. Watch it. Watch that shit. Okay. So anyway, I just I just wanted to say... You know, I was bummed out to hear about Stan's passing. Um, it's sad because... You know, he was older and whatever, so I think you can sort of dismiss it and be like, eh, you know, he had a good run and whatever, but it's kind of like, it's just sad because I think it's a realization for everyone of like, you know, nobody lives forever, and there's no amount of good you can do in this world that allows you to live forever. And that seems cosmically unfair, right? Um... But I I am confident saying that, like, without Stan Lee, these things wouldn't exist. They certainly wouldn't exist in the form they exist today. Comic books would not be what they are today. And they wouldn't be what they were in the 60s and 70s. Amazing Spider-Man issue 13, first appearance of Mysterio, would not be what it is today. So there's, there's a lot of things. I mean, I think he had such a huge impact on the world. He had as big of an impact as someone can really have at this point. I mean, think about the people around the world who are entertained by these characters and stories and uh, and for how long. I mean, god damn. Good god damn. So there you go. I don't know. If you're drinking something when you listen to this, if, if your life is sad enough that you're like, I get drunk and listen to Amazing Spider Webcast. The, you know, 10 episodes that have been out for two years and then the other two that came out and I just listened to them over and over. If that's your life, you know, tip one back for Stan, give a toast to Stan, pour one out on the floor. If you live in an apartment like I do and not like a carpeted adult home where it's like, okay, well maybe put a bucket on the floor and then pour it out in the bucket or God in the yard or something. So, you know, Stan, you will be missed. You are missed. Um, and we wish you the best. And, uh, you know, when someone, when someone important dies is when, you know, the times that like 
I'm not a believer in the afterlife, but I wish it was true because someone like that, I think, deserves a little bit more. All right. So anyway, Spider-Man's robbing a bank with a dollar sign bag, um, you know, and he runs away and it's like he's robbing this fucking bank and it's pretty, pretty sure if at this point you don't know. Now, perhaps if you were reading this back in the day and you're like, what's going on, right? You might think, holy shit, maybe Spider-Man is a bad guy. And, you know, of course, since Spider-Man has robbed a bank, who's on top of the story but J. Jonah Jameson at the Daily Bugle, who's, like, taking charge of the situation and couldn't be happier. I know this guy who moved to North Carolina, and he's, like, kind of this weird survivalist gun nut guy, and he moved there shortly before the hurricane or whatever came, and he couldn't have been happier. You know, he's like, this is the situation in which I thrive. That's J. Jonah Jameson when it appears Spider-Man has robbed a bank. You know, he's at the bugle and he's like, find all the old editorials I wrote accusing Spider-Man of being a menace. I want to reprint them now so people can see how right I was, you know? And he's just like, I am so fucking right about everything. It's unbelievable. Um, it's It's just good. It's great. Also, I'm like, Come on, Jonah. You can't do like a five thickness, five times thickness Sunday edition just about all your editorials about how Spider-Man was a menace. Also, a bunch of those were disproved. So it's like, do you want to go back? No, fuck it. He's just doing it. I love J. Jonah Jameson, by the way. You know, in my personal reading of this, I'm up to issue like one in the 150s. And it's just like, Jameson is probably my favorite character because he's so fucking funny. Um, anyway, then, you know, Peter Parker is very concerned because he's like, what is going on? Like, have I lost my mind and I did rob a bank or something? He's just like, I'm going to just go to bed and get some rest. And there's a hilarious panel of him completely wide-eyed in bed with a thought balloon above him, which I was like, this is probably the most memeable thing I've ever seen. So if you're looking for a meme, uh, Amazing Spider-Man issue 13, Spider-Man wide awake in bed. So anyway, he goes to see a psychologist, a shrink, let's call him, who, uh, I don't understand why a psychologist is called a shrink. They shrink your head, but what is that, how does that work? What does that mean? And the shrink is like, oh my God, this is a jackpot. I'm going to be fucking famous if I, you know, therapy as a superhero. So they talk for like 10 seconds and then he's like, and then Spider-Man's kind of like, wait a minute. If I talk to this guy, I'm going to give up my, my secret identity. Fuck! So he runs away. And he's like, never mind. And, you know, the psychologist is like, wait, come back. You're the kind of patient every psychiatrist dreams of. Stop! You know, and he's just like... I was like, dude, you can't tip your hand like that. You got to play it cool. You want Spider-Man to come back? Turn off the lights and stuff and just be like... <laughs> and he's like, just make yourself comfortable here and then tell me anything that comes into your head. And Spider-Man's like, I appreciate it, doctor. If you can help me, I... And then he's like, wait a second. I can't do that. Okay, bye. And just takes off. That was a worthless scene. But then... um Anyway, so we have some Jonah. We have some this. We have some that. But here's where the important stuff starts to happen. Um, we have a thing with Betty Brant. Betty Brant... Not Betty Brant. Liz Allen who got a new haircut. This is the kind of stuff that seems like sometimes in these early issues, we were like trying to balance the real life stuff with the not real life stuff where you have like Liz Allen has a new haircut and Flash Thompson is like, wow, you look amazing. 
And you know, you're like, um, okay. So then Mysterio shows up at the bugle and is like, print a letter to tell Spider-Man to meet me somewhere. And I did like, I do like this because he shows up. He's like, print this letter to Spider-Man to come show, show up with at the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, also, he says, okay, you know, if you wish to end the menace of Spider-Man, follow the instructions in this envelope. And then inside the envelope, it says, print a notice in the Daily Bugle saying, if Spider-Man wants to learn the truth about himself, he should meet Mysterio atop the Brooklyn Bridge. And then the letter vanishes in a puff of smoke. And I was like, wait a minute. Why do you have to show up to hand deliver that letter? And why do you have to deliver a letter that has like a one sentence? I mean, this is printed in, you know, comic book font on this page, probably size 48. That short message, it's like a one sentence message. Tell Spider-Man to meet Mysterio on top of the Brooklyn Bridge. I got it. Why wouldn't you just say that instead of handing it over in a letter? And if you were handing it over in a letter, it seems to imply that you want some exact language used or something. And then you make it poof up in a ball of smoke. And it's like, what the fuck, man? How are they supposed to do the exact printing of that thing if you just poof it in a ball of smoke? Like, what What are you thinking, Mysterio? Mysterio is like an analogy for the sort of a metaphorical character for the like modern filmmaking which is like all special effects but then the story makes no fucking sense when you start getting into it but that's fine that's fine you know so spider-man meets him on the brooklyn bridge gets his ass kicked of course uh, mysterio turns into a bunch of smoke and then he spider-man can't see shit so he just basically we have like a page of spider-man just getting his ass kicked in a bunch of smoke and then he takes a cowardly dive off the brooklyn bridge into the water and he does use a web bubble. He makes like a web half sphere, puts it over his head, and then goes under the water. So he's got like air while he's underwater. He traps the air in the half sphere and then puts his head in it, which is pretty good. I like, I miss that this is something that doesn't happen in the comics a lot. It seems like it more favors gizmos that Spider-Man has created, which are good. But I miss the sort of like early days where it was what new thing can spider-man decide to make from his webbing you know it's like hey if you could make anything whatever um so he gets beat up by a smoke cloud <laughs> flash thompson is right you know flash thompson this is like his classic fuck you spider-man is good i don't care what anyone says and you're like flash thompson is an asshole but is a really good judge of character when it comes to spider-man right mysterio comes back to the bugle meets peter parker of course and then peter parker diabolically puts a spider tracker on him so that you can follow him gets his ass kicked in a puff of smoke again and at this point mysterio is like well now that you're semi beat up i might he's okay i'll just read this verbatim i might as well tell you the whole story for i shall see to it that you never tell anyone else classic villain mistake i punched you in the face three or four times so at this point, there's no fucking way that you're going to get out of this one, Spidey. So I might as well tell you a bunch of stuff that you don't need to know, and that would be really harmful to me if you escape. I used to be a movie stuntman, and then I became a special effects man for TV movies. I designed all sorts of costumes and props. Then I got the idea of imitating you. I spent many long weeks studying all your powers, all your abilities, everything that was known about you. I was sure I could duplicate your feats. 
And he says, whatever Spider-Man does naturally, I'll find a way to do artificially. So this is kind of weird because it's like, um, why? He's like, I just want to do this as a challenge, which I'm like, all right, I'm into this idea of special effects man woodshedding his way to a huge project. But like, why, why is he like mad at Spider-Man? Using all the skill I had acquired designing movie props, I made a gun which fired a nylon cord resembling your own web. I designed shoes and gloves with special suction cups enabling me to cling to walls. Uh, my plan seemed perfect. I could, admit all, I could commit all sorts of crimes and you would get the blame. Now, wait a minute. When did that happen? When was he like, I'm going to try and make a thing to imitate Spider-Man. And then he's like, to do crimes. But then I got a still greater idea. I would create a separate identity for myself. I'd call myself Mysterio, and then I'd battle you. When I defeated you, I'd be a national hero, for no one would know that Mysterio is both criminal and the conqueror. And that plan, again, metaphor for a modern movie. Makes no fucking sense. Doing crimes as Spider-Man kind of makes sense, because you're like, well, I guess then the heat's off you as Mysterio, or as whoever, because you're like, they'll be chasing after Spider-Man. So anyway, my helmet is based on the principle of your eyepieces. I can see out, but no one can see in. I created a fine spray made of specially treated acid, which was the sole purpose of what? Which was for the sole purpose of dissolving your web. If you should ever use it against me, the bottoms of my boots contain chemical smoke ejectors as well as magnetic plate springs, which enable me to duplicate your own amazing leaps. Leaps, leaps. Even my name, Mysterio, was created to instill awe and fear in the hearts of my enemies. I was able to see you within my protective cloud because I have a built-in sonar device, which aids me at the same time that it jams your own spider sense. And now I shall dispose of you forever. And then Spider-Man, who is sitting on the floor still, pulls a tape recorder out of his pocket and is like, You idiot. I recorded the whole thing. Wah, wah. <laughs> oh my god so then they have a huge fight that basically it's they're in a movie studio so it's kind of funny because there's like planets they're swinging around on and people dressed as aliens and like fucking mysterio's gonna bash spider-man's head in with a huge klieg light and all this shit it basically turns into a mini version of the end of Wee's big adventure um and of course mysterio gets his ass kicked and then also, the this movie producer, this kind of goes into the next episode. So, you know, keep this in mind because they're like, they go with these guys working on the movie and it's like the director, I guess. And he's like, you nincompoop, the greatest action scene in history and you didn't even get it on film. But but they weren't members of the cast. Probably it didn't, didn't even belong to the union. <laughs> um, this plays in to the next because it makes me think this one panel is kind of what motivated the crazy story of the next issue. Uh, asterisk, see issue 14, Smile and Pete. So anyway, beats up Mysterio, gives Jonah Jameson a piece of his mind. Flash Thompson is like, I knew Spidey was good all along. End of story. So there you go, that's issue 13, plus a long, confusing thing about Stanley. We took care of a lot of good business at this episode, huh? at this episode I also just lost my ability to talk somewhere between this one and the last one assuming I had it in the last one I don't really remember thanks for listening 
Um, hopefully these will be coming to you more regularly. And we'll see you next time. Webheads. He climbs a tree just like a vine. Look out. Here comes the spider.